You're listening to the Drowning in Shallow podcast, where we explore rich and meaningful encouragement that doesn't try to put a bow on difficulty. I'm Janelle, a wife, mom, business owner, lover of hospitality, and fellow needer of encouragement. This is a safe place to engage one another in honestly identifying our emotions, naming our troubles, and finding hope that lasts, even when our circumstances don't change. Stop drowning in the shallow platitudes of life. It's time to jump in, grab a life raft, and learn to float in deep waters. Subscribe to my email encouragements at encouragedwithjanelle.com. If you're tired of messages about positive thinking or self-empowerment that ignore or suppress life's true difficulties or our authentic, limited humanity, you're in just the right place. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in. I just wanted to share a little bit about my story and sort of how I got here with this podcast of Drowning in Shallow and my email encouragements, um, Encouraged with Janelle. I have always loved communication and articulation and getting bigger vocabulary by way of friends and books and I've always loved it. Every time in my business, I own a business that does uh, hair and makeup. It's kind of a luxury service for high-end weddings, and we get to know our brides really well, and there's a whole process. It's not just hair and makeup on the day of the wedding. And anytime there's a sticky situation, as there always is in business, I get like such a buzz and a thrill uh, out of communicating, um, trying to communicate really well and really clearly and rereading emails and... um, I just love it. I have often utilized that, you know, you can push the, I think it's pound and then one after you leave a voicemail for somebody and re-listen to your voicemail before it sends. I love utilizing that feature to like, how did I come across and what did this sound like? And um, I can often go on tangents and go down rabbit holes in my thinking and processing as I'm sure you will experience even in this podcast episode. Um So anyways, I've just always loved communication and articulation, and I'm a really deep feeler. I always have been my whole life, and that's taken a lot of different forms. There have been seasons of my life where I've tried to really suppress my emotions because other people were suppressing them, and I thought that that was the more godly thing to do. Um, Whether those, you know, the others who were suppressing them is because they didn't feel things the same way that I did, or maybe had a different view and understanding of emotions. So I would say several years ago, many years ago, I had a really robust understanding of the sovereignty of God to the degree with which it really minimized my understanding of the humanity of Christ. Christ being fully God and fully man, I I really neglected his empathetic humanity, how he literally came to get in our skin and live in our flesh to bear our burdens, to be tempted in the same ways we are, and to be faithful unto death. And so in those times in my life, I was very flippant often about trials. And um, I think it, it can be a common experience among Christian circles within our culture in North America that when trial comes, we can be quick to, as I call it, put a Jesus band-aid on it, you know, um, 
someone, there's a loss that's experienced, someone passes away, and someone, upon first hearing that sad news, can respond with something like, God is faithful. And friends, is God faithful? Yes, he is. And does that response in that situation incarnate the love of Christ to that grieving person? No, it probably does not. And so I, I lived in Wales for about a year and a half, and that cross, cross-cultural experience gave me a different perspective on American culture and on culture at large. It was a really difficult year. I was stretched in a lot of ways. Um, even after that year, lots of just hardships and heartaches. And I remember specifically, after my husband and I had been married a couple years, when we miscarried, it was so devastating. It was so hard. And I remember people's attempts to encourage me feeling so shallow. I remember one time someone said to me, it's okay to be sad. And I completely appreciate their heart in what they were saying. I think they were coming from a place of wanting to give me space to grieve and wanting to validate my sorrow. But it still, it felt cheap. It felt like, you know what? I'll give you a pass. You'll get a hall pass. We'll make it permissible. We're going to grant you a little bit of freedom. It's okay. It's okay if you have to be sad. And I just remember really considering that this life that was now lost, there was no other person on the world that was going to grieve as this baby's mom. And that needed to come from me, you know, like that I'm the only person who could grieve as mom. And the story of Christ raising Lazarus from the dead was so meaningful to me in that season because Christ wept like Jesus knew that he was going to physically raise Lazarus from the dead in a matter of seconds. He knew he was going to do that. And he still took time to weep. And I just think that well, what does that say about his character and about how he approaches death and sorrow and loss? We can easily approach it and try to put Jesus band-aids on things like, you know, I don't know, slapping a verse on someone or um, distantly trying to like make them feel better with some sort of element of truth. But Christ doesn't do that. And I remember thinking, even in my miscarriage, like my my baby was in heaven, there's hope of ultimate resurrection, there's hope of eternity with Christ, but Jesus wasn't even just telling those around him. Not only was he not saying, like, oh, we don't need to be sad because there's going to be, there's hope of eternity, there's hope of heaven. He wasn't only not saying that, he knew that Lazarus was going to be raised to physical life right before their eyes, and he wasn't even saying, you know what, no need to grieve, he's coming back. He still took time to weep, which showed me that it wasn't just permissible to express and experience sorrow, but there are times it is appropriate, it is healthy, it is godly to be sad about sad things. And I think it's really just an indication of our culture. You know, if if someone is getting married or there's something to celebrate, there's a rejoicing that's happening, we don't tell people, it's okay to be happy. That's not, it's not, that's not a sentiment that's needed. Of course, it's not just okay to be happy. Please be happy. And I think one of the things that we can do as we 
seek to love those in times of hardship and grief is to validate grief, to validate that is a tragic loss, to affirm there is something to grieve here. I think in our culture, it's really common to minimize the trouble and the the difficulty and try to encourage people to just just get better. Why don't you just get better? Let's let's you know, not walk through the whole process of what it takes to heal. But I'd like to just, you know, it's kind of like how we stick things in the microwave for five seconds and we want them to to just be hot. It's like we just want to stick people in a microwave of healing and have them better really fast. So through this process, I've been learning that we can't be emotionally distant because God is sovereign. And yet, does God's sovereignty also influence the way with which we see troubles? Yeah, it does. Because like the end of an email encouragement a couple weeks ago, God forces the storm to bless us. That doesn't mean the storm isn't raging. It doesn't mean we're not getting sopping wet. It doesn't minimize the trial and difficulty. And I think that's where we can go wrong, is we think that to hope in God means that we need to not really struggle. But friends, I think that this is where we lose such a witness with unbelievers. Because as they, I think we can misuse the verse, misunderstand about how we are to grieve, we are not to grieve as ones without hope. We do have hope in our grief. Yes, we do. That doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It means that we're able to comfort other grievers because we have received comfort from God. It doesn't mean that we tell other people, oh, you just need to hope in God and then you won't be sad. That's not true. Look at Christ's life. He had perfect hope in God. He had perfect faithfulness in God. He had perfect trust in God. And he still experienced every single human emotion that we experience. So a lot of what we are here to do and what my hope is in sending these emails and having this podcast, and I hope to interview lots of people during these different conversation times, is to really tap into how do we engage with our emotions, which I don't know that is something we are really strong at at large in our culture and how do we not suppress trouble in the name of faith I think that's something that we can do really easily it feels like it's stronger faith to not struggle and so how how do we look struggle in the eye and we don't minimize it we we are not afraid to call it trouble and to be descriptive in what's hard and what's painful and in the midst of the storm to find that God is there with us, even as things are difficult. That's where I think the beauty is, and that's what gives us hope to endure. Thanks so much for joining us today on Drowning in Shallow. Go ahead and click that subscribe button so you don't miss an encouragement.